0: Thanks Tom. Well thank you very much for having me. It has been a pleasure to be with uh, the men of this church. It's been good to get to know some of you and uh, talk with uh, some of you about this job uh, that we we do. Um, and as Tom said, one of the things that we have to understand about work, you know, is, is work isn't just what we do nine to five day in and day out. It's not who pays our bills. Work has to do with being human, you know, so my wife, so I have a wife and, and four children and a dog. Uh, the dog is a Weimar Reiner puppy about four and a half months old, so our house is in shambles. Uh, <laughs> one of the things about work is when, when my wife and I talked my wife was trained as a neonatal intensive care nurse. And when we were first married, she worked at a hospital in uh, the, the Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, when we're, we've been here, she's worked at a, as a pediatric nurse in uh, a Rex system. Now, the interesting thing is she's not doing that right now, but you know her work hasn't stopped. With those four kids, she's elbow deep in, uh, in children's things where there's homework, and when I come home, I help out with that as well. She's elbow deep in things like that, that are the real fun stuff, you know, like laundry. I mean, laundry and more laundry with four kids. It seems like a never ending pile. As soon as we've done one load, the next load's already full, right? So laundry, cooking, cleaning. When I get home, I have to mow the grass and cut the, I was just thinking about this Today. Uh, This morning, I looked at my hedge and I thought, there's a job that needs to be done. Work is not just what we do nine to five. It's the totality of our being in many ways because God has made us to be workers. So this weekend, I've had a great time talking with some of uh, you folks about God's vision for work, like our jobs, our professions, but as we've said, we've talked about family life as a kind of work, raising children, learning to be a good spouse, taking care of your house and your household. We've talked about church life as a kind of work, working with the good people in your church, encouraging one another and developing one another in the faith, spurring one another towards good works. That is a kind of work. Teaching God's word and God's ways in this community, that's a kind of work. If you're in school, education is a kind of work that you must commit to and develop. Go to class, work on memorization, study. The discipline, especially if there are college students in this room, the discipline of time management is a kind of work, right? So school is a kind of work. The bottom line is there are myriads of ways life can be divided up into different kinds of work, all of which are important to God. So our jobs, 9 to 5, vocation, you know, whether you're a dentist or a doctor or a lawnmower or a, uh, you know, sheet rocker, whatever your work is, that's only one facet of you as a worker. It's an important part, however. We know that the majority of our times, uh, time is spent in that, you know, roughly 40 hours a week. The people that we engage, that's how they know us. That's how we express ourselves is oftentimes through a profession or a job. The question that I want us to look at together today is, does God care? When you think about your profession, do you think God even gives two flips of a care about your work? Does God care about my work? And the follow-up question goes something like this. If God does care... About these things that I do during the week. Then how does God redeem my work? These questions I think are very important for a couple of reasons. First, according to some reports, many people in America are very dissatisfied with their jobs. Their 9 to 5 profession. They go to the office or they go to the workplace. And it's like sticking hot pokers in their eyeballs. It's so dull. So if you think that God cares about your work, you might be asking, well, look, I don't care about my work. How could God care about my work, right? So it's an important question. So if God wants to redeem your work, maybe there's something about you that has to change. This reminds me of uh, the movie, have you ever seen the movie Office Space? It's a movie from the 90s, you know. And uh, one of the major characters is talking to his coworkers. Uh, About his experience of work and this is what he says he says So I was sitting in the cubicle today and I realized that ever since I started working Every single day of my life has been worse than the day before (laughs) So that means every single day that you see me That's on the worst day of my life (laughs) Maybe you could relate Now, to be fair, other reports indicate that, you know, especially recent reports indicate some workers indicate a level of satisfaction with their work. But I think it's true anecdotally. All of us have had this experience that, oh, my goodness, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Every day, maybe even some in this room consider, could be considered worse than the day it was before. But in light of the hope that's within us, In light of what Jesus has done for us. I think it's important for us as Christians. To take stock of how we view our work. Are we in the church satisfied with what we're doing day in and day out? Do we know. That what we do has value and importance before God. And are we living like that? As we learned this weekend too often work is compromised by socializing. By distraction, or let's just be honest, just plain laziness. One of the things that I I thought was great yesterday we talked about is uh, the the question of how much time do workers spend on Facebook during a workday. Now, I don't want to meddle in your business. I'm just reporting the facts, right? In a Computer World article in 2009, workers were surveyed about their Facebook usage in office hours. 77% said... Yes, I look at Facebook during office hours. Eighty-seven percent of those people said that my time on Facebook had nothing to do with, with work. And the question then comes, well, what happened during those office hours that you were, you know, tooling around on what everybody was saying on Facebook? And the report actually says, and this is in 2009, so you can imagine what it's like today, Because in 2009, it was 250 million users on Facebook. And think about that today, four years later. They say, you know, essentially, it's not hard to reason what is the result in the workplace of this wasting your time on Facebook. It's decreased productivity. Decreased productivity. And what happens for that business? They lose man hours. And they aren't as productive. Now, is this kind of behavior okay? Is it just acceptable? Is it part of the job even for Christians? I want to say no. Today I want to look at God's values for work for us, what he thinks about work, and then how we should respond in light of that. And we're going to look at this together from God's word. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read the entire chapter Because the entire chapter, moving to chapter 4, verse 1, uh, it, it will prove to be important for why we understand God cares about our work and then how he can redeem our work. So if you have your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read this aloud. Paul says to the church at Colossae, he says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For if for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. free but christ is all and in all put the put on then as god's chosen ones holy and beloved compassionate hearts kindness humility meekness and patience bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against one another forgiving each other as the lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive look at verse 17 and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him and then now paul changes and focuses particularly on the household at the church of colossae and he says this wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the lord husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them children Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I've taught my children this a lot. I think this is a very important verse for children to learn. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Look at verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord From this passage of Scripture, we're going to learn two basic truths. The first one is quite simply, God cares about your work. God cares. God cares about your work. When we look at the Scriptures, we see that God created work. Humanity was designed to work the ground, to name the animals, to rule and subdue the earth, to be fruitful and multiply. We all, we learn this all from Genesis chapters one and two. Work is not a pain. Work is a gift. It's a gift given to humans, to you and me from God. So yes, work can be frustrating, but it's God's gift. You know, uh, when my children were younger, right? So when they're uh, especially my son, my son Harrison, when he was about three or two. Uh, you know, it's fun when, when you give children gifts, right, when they're that young, because the parents are more excited about the gift than the children are, right? The gift we would give to Harrison, and he would be excited for a second, and then, you know, if it's a G.I. Joe toy or something like that, within 15 minutes, the head's gone, Right? or you know we buy this very cool gift and we're so excited and we're like oh look at the and and they take we take it out of the gift and it's so exciting until your child plays with the box more than they do the toy right you know we can do this with God's gifts too so work is a gift from God and what we can do with God's gift is go crack I don't care or we can play with the toys uh, or the, 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 the wrapping of work. We can play act like we're oh yes I'm really working. But in fact what we're doing is we're just playing with the box. We're not really using the gift that God has given us. But God didn't make us that way and God didn't make work that way. Work is a gift for us to receive with gratitude. And used to the fullest of our human capacities. All of this means being human before God, because God cares about your work. God cares about you and made you to be a worker in his world. Some of us in this room might think this is a result of the fall into sin. After all, in Genesis two, fourteen to nineteen, we learn that, or Genesis three, fourteen and nineteen, in that passage of Scripture, we realize that. Painful labor is part of the curse of sin. And so some of us have thought in our heads, I don't know that we've been taught this, but maybe we've thought in our heads, oh, work is part of the fallen world. When I get to heaven, oh boy, I'm going to be sailing, I'm going to be sitting watching Georgia football all day, I'm going to be hanging out, and then some of us are more spiritual, and we think, oh no, those are... Those are carnal, especially the Georgia reference. That's a carnal reference, right? If we want to be spiritual, we talk about the University of Tennessee, right? And who cares about Duke or North Carolina? I'm not from here, right? So I can say these things. Some of us who are more spiritual think, oh, no, heaven's not going to be like that. You know what we're going to be? We're just going to be kind of floating. We're going to be on clouds with harps, you know. And some of our younger people, they think it's going to be like one passion or one day rally, you know, everybody's, you know, jumping up and down with praise music. And that's, that's what heaven's going to be like. Well, there's actually good biblical indication that yes, we'll be worshiping God, but we'll be worshiping God through our work. The way that we live in new heavens and new earth in heaven is going to be an extension and expression glorified of how God created the world at the beginning. God cares about your work because God created you to be a worker. He created me to be a worker. What we do now, I believe, can be a picture of what we do in heaven. Now, what does this mean, practically speaking? It means that there is no divide between your secular life and your sacred life. So guys in the room, uh, you know, this is an overgeneralization, so forgive me for overgeneralizations, but oftentimes we think of, you know, guys as being very compartmentalized, right? I am, and to my detriment. But we think of life kind of like this, right? In the morning, I wake up, I woke, I, I walk into the room of my my house, right, My my life, and in this door, behind this door, I have my spiritual life and so what i do is in this room i shut the door behind me and i i have my prayers and i have my devotions and i pray and i'm very pious in this room and then i open up that door once i'm done with that room and i shut the door behind me and i walk over here and i open the door to family and i close the door behind me and i say i've got to devote my time to my family And then I do this, I play with the kids, I ask how their day is, I talk to my wife, and then I shut, open the door behind me, I shut it, and then I walk over here to my office room, right? This is my work room. And I open the door, I shut it behind me, and in there, I do my job. And when my wife calls about the kids, when I'm in this room, I go crazy. Because that room's over there, Right? (laughs) So why is it over here? Why? It doesn't. My brain can't fathom these things. Here's the problem with that view. And I fully admit and repent. This view of life is wrong because God didn't make us that way. Of course we do this kind of. Right? But in the Bible, God does not create us to have rooms of life, some of which are secular and some of which are sacred. In that analogy that I just gave, the only room that's sacred in that house is my spiritual room. Do you know God didn't create us that way? He didn't create us that way at all. When we look at God's Word, what we find is God created us to be worshipers in the whole of our lives. There's no secular sacred divide. Our work is as much as what it means to live holy lives. Before God as having a personal devotion sharing the gospel with our neighbor being an active Participant in a home group or joining together for worship this morning Why because the Bible reminds us all of life All of your life and mine belongs to God even our work When we look at the book of Colossians one of the key ingredients in Paul's message to the church Is quite simply this Christ is the Lord of all things God has reconciled all things to himself in Jesus. Let me ask you a question. If Christ is Lord of all things, is your work part of that all things? The reality is, yes, it is. The hard question that we have to ask is, do we live like it? Do we live like it? Jesus has reconciled to the Father all things in his his death and resurrection. And that changes how we see everything. The world is hopelessly, uh, uh, incredibly good, but hopelessly broken because of sin. What saves our world and our work and our lives is Jesus. Look at our text. Look at the the first four verses of chapter 3. When you see this passage of Scripture, Paul reminds the church of who they are in Jesus Christ. He says in chapter 3, verse 1, If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. In other words, our whole life, if we have been forgiven by Jesus, should be oriented towards his reign and lordship, where he's exercising authority over the world that he owns. Jesus is not just here on Sunday mornings. Or with your Bible at your desk when you wake up and and read it in the morning. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father, exercising authority over his world. That's what we are supposed to see when we are raised with Christ. We're supposed to recognize this. We're supposed to set our mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And what does he mean here? This idea that the world as it is is all that there is. That nature, red and tooth and claw, is the order of the day. That cutthroat business practices is what we should emulate in our world. He says, no, these things are of the earth, and it's passing away. That's not the way God designed the world, and that's not the way he's going to keep the world. Paul reminds his churches that Christ is coming again, and when he comes again, According to Revelation 21 5, he makes all things new. What Paul does in these first four verses is he reminds the church where to put their heart, their mind, their devotion, their focus. But verses 5 through 11, Paul reminds these people that in the light of what God has done, they need to realize that they are to put away sin in their lives. And he uses the most extraordinary image. He says, You are a new person in Jesus. And that changes what adorns our lives. Right? I have a coat here, right? I put this coat on. Right? Paul is talking as if we are new creations in Christ and we adorn our bodies with new habits, new ideas. New ways of thinking, new ways of behaving with one another, new ways of relating to God. In fact, we have been reconciled so that the old man has been put away and Christ puts on us the new man, a new creation. And look at verse 10. We have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. As creatures in God's creation, what God has done in us is he has made us human, as Tom was saying. But we almost have to learn what that means. Why? Sin has so messed us up, we don't even know what it means to be human anymore. We think it means earning money, having a good job, getting a big house, Retiring at the age of 45 and 3 months. Right? That's what it means to have a good life and be human. It means to follow your heart and be happy. My friends, no. Paul reminds us that our, our, our minds have to be renewed. We have to put on the new self by putting away these old fleshly daughters. And what has to happen is we have to gain knowledge of what it means to be human once again. And what does that look like practically for you and me? It means reading God's word. It means prayer and worshiping the Lord so that God by his spirit can show us those areas in our lives that are broken because of sin, where we are wearing clothes that belong to a different heath, the sinful clothes. God cares about our work. But we put our our old self away so that, look at the next section, verses 12 through 17, we put on the new self, right? We put on the new self. We have different habits, different ways of thinking, different ways of relating with one another. Our life is characterized by love, particularly the love of Christ working itself out through us. Our lives are characterized by praise and worship look at verse 16 the word of Christ begins to dwell in us richly through the teaching of the church through scripture and encouraging one another in what God is doing in our lives by singing, like we've done this morning and praying together what God does is he is adorning our lives with new self new creation and then this most amazing verse in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through him. In whatever we do, in word or deed, this includes our work. Why? God values your work, my friends. There's no divide between good spiritual work and bad secular work. It's all Christ's. Let me flesh out what that means. It means that all of your life is God's. And your reasonable act of service before him is to give everything to him. It reminds me of this. When I was a kid, right, when I was a child, one of my favorite things to do when I would go visit my grandfather is dig potatoes with him. Now, one of the reasons I liked it so much is because I knew that my grand, I didn't have to wake up my granddad. He was already up. He, get, he would get up at like 4.30 or 5, have his devotion time, and for those of you that, who know what I'm talking about, he would listen to this guy, Jay Vernon McGee, <laughs> right? And then he would, after he listened to Jay Vernon McGee for a while, he would pray, and about that time, I would wake up, and I would catch the tail end of his devotion, and then we would go out to the garden together. And my, my, my grandfather's garden covered uh, a hillside, so it was very big. And what we would do is we would dig in the rows of potatoes. And he would put the shovel in and turn up the soil, and I would dig out the potatoes. And we'd put it in a bushel basket. And we'd do this for a couple of ro- rows, and then we'd have potatoes. Potatoes. And we'd go wash them and bring them in to my grandmother, who was up by that time, where she would wash them in preparation for lunch. Now, the most interesting thing about this is I knew, I knew that my grandfather loved the Lord because of the devotions, right? But it wasn't just because of the devotions with every shove of that shovel into the ground, it was like a thunderclap of praise and joy to the God who had given him that life. And the work became a form of worship. And as a little boy, I caught a sense of that. As a little boy, I caught a sense of that. Let me encourage you, my friends, this morning, in whatever you do, in word or or D, do you know God cares about your work? Mom, if you are forlorn, ankle deep in children's toys, up to your elbows in laundry, God cares about your work even if nobody says thank you or you're doing a good job. God sees, God knows, God cares. Businessman, if you're stuck in a cubicle, businesswoman, if you're stuck away in a hidey hole and nobody gives any cognizance at all about what you're doing, God cares. He looks, He knows, He sees. Student, God knows, God cares, God sees. Your work. My work matters to God. Washing diapers is important to God. Raking the yard is important to God. Studying hard and well is important to God. Why? Because God made us to work. Do you feel as though you're doing work that doesn't matter? My friends, if you're a fry cook, fry those fries because it matters to God. You may be Mr. Nobody at Mr. No-Place Office where nobody cares about you, thinks about you, or talks to you. Well, your God cares about you. He made you for this work. God smiles when his children do their work. Satisfied, this is what he made them for. So work and work well in this world. However, we know something is wrong with our work. Our work is stained by sin just like our lives are and we're broken in our relationship with God because of sin, sin entered into the world and it corrupted and warped and broke everything. That's why the workplace can be such a difficult place. It's because it was invented by God but marred by sin. Work can be competitive and cutthroat rather than healthy and satisfying. Work can be lonely and painful rather than fulfilling because sin broke everything. If you're frustrated in your work as... As our our friend said this morning, don't be surprised. It's an outcome of sin. So what do we do? This is the second thing I want to talk about. Quite simply, God redeems our work. When we look at our text, Paul reminds his people as new creation in Christ, God's people should work in a manner worthy of the gospel. Look at verses 18 through 24. You have this household code where you have the household ordained by God in a particular way because of the gospel. He tells slaves, don't obey your masters in word only. Live and work as though you're working for Jesus because you are. Paul places Christians in the hard workplace to shine his light and his character all the more. What you see is, God doesn't redeem the workplace by going, boo! All better. You know what he does? He puts Christians there. If you're dissatisfied, if you see horribly broken things in your workplace, be encouraged! That's why you're there. The church is God's way Of proclaiming his redemption in Christ. But also modeling what that looks like in a new humanity. Christ places Christians. His church. His people. In a hard place to shine his light all the more. Church is God's uh, means of making Christ known. Of showing God's love. Of proclaiming Christ's forgiveness. Of modeling God's virtues and values. God redeems our work. In, the, in Christ, through the church, you, me, as we work together, not to please people, but rather first and foremost, please our maker. Do all that we do, Paul says, heartily, as you work for the Lord and not for men. So here's the deal. Do you feel this sense of frustration in work? You don't work for your boss. You work for your boss so do your work in a manner that's pleasing worthy of the gospel who uh, the, the God of the gospel who who redeemed you and reconciled you in Jesus Christ in all this our efforts become pictures of the Lord Jesus who saved us and whom we serve we do our work for him as Martin Luther said in the Babylonian captivity of the church and I love this it's not just the spiritual people who have holy work. This is what he says. The works of monks and priests, however holy and arduous they may be, do not differ one, one whit in the sight of God from the works of the rustic laborer in the field or the woman going about her household tasks. All works are measured before God by faith alone. How's your faith doing? When you go into the office is your faith of such a, a, a feeling and a sense that you are like, Lord, this is not my office. This is your office. This is not your, my cubicle. This is your cubicle. Lord, how can I be a demonstration of your grace in this place today? If you're a mom, what does that look like for you and your children? Okay? I know children. Hey, look, I've got four of them. And they're beautiful, but beautifully complex. Each one is different. Each one is broken and beautiful in their own ways. And so it's a challenge to be able to engage one and train one up in the way that they should go in the way of godliness. And and I understand that, right? But listen, as you go into the work of raising children and running house, is your eye focused on the difficulty or the challenge? Or is your eye focused on the one who saved you, who's redeemed you so that you can speak his love, his grace, and his purposes into that task. God redeems our work through our obedience and love of Christ in whatever workplace it might be. So let me give you some practical ways this might look as I land the plane. When we think about what this might look like, if God has redeemed the workplace and he does so in and through the church, it means, uh, let me give you some just practical ways. First of all, devote your work to Christ. Now, what does this actually mean? It means that each day, you and I have to make a conscious effort to say, Lord, this is not my life, this is yours. Lord, I have to deal with these difficult people. Lord, I have to battle my own emotions about thinking that this work is insignificant. God, I'm not going to be wrapped up in this. I'm going to wrap myself up in you. I'm going to devote myself to you. Lord, could you please, by your spirit, provide a sense of joy, peace, comfort, wisdom as I go about my day. You devote the work to Jesus. Secondly, you pray through the day. This is a lesson that I that we brought out together last week, or or last week, last yesterday, and the day before. Right? Pray your way through the day. Don't shut the door of devotion behind you when you leave the house in the morning. The scriptures remind us to pray continually. There are going to be highs and lows in work during the day. There are going to be moments of extraordinary frustration where you're off, caught off guard. Sometimes your prayers might look like this. Oh, God, this has just come across my desk. I am battling extreme rage that this has come across my desk. Could you please help me on this? In some ways, your praying through the day might look a little bit like this. I've misled somebody in my, in my workplace. That is sin, and God, please forgive me. Give me the courage and the wisdom to know how to confess this sin and this wrong to my neighbor because I've sinned against him too sometimes for and this is something my wife and I try and practice uh, regularly with our children if we sin against our children that's a sin in the workplace family work we have to be people of repentance and confession both to God and those whom, whom we've offended even if that's our children So you might be praying for God to shatter pride and arrogance in your life. Pray your way through the day. Ask God for wisdom to know how to work and work well. These next three I want to really focus on. Uh, This is a, 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 a skill that I was taught that I think is very helpful. When you're looking at your workplace, and you think, all right, well, how does Christ redeem the workplace in and through kind of my obedience and what I'm doing here? I mean, okay, what does that look like? Well, here's, the, here's a key. In God's created world, there are good structures. Family is a good structure, right? Work, good structure. So what you need to learn to do is name the good structure. And most of us aren't that analytical, so we don't think that way. We just go to work and go about our business and do what this requires is, in, in our devotion to Christ, we step back from our workplace and say, okay, what is God, what is good in this, and what is God pleased with in this work environment? So you name the good structure. You name it. You write it down. You say, this, this is good. Not universally, the, the office is, but this is good. Okay, so third, name the good structures in your office place. Because there's where you can begin to say, okay, I can work with this. I can develop this. As a person who creates culture, Christian culture, that's where I can begin to develop it. Okay, But you can't just name the structure. You have to also, and this is the second point, name where the good structure has been misdirected in sin. Let me give you an example. When we're naming good structure, my wife and I, know that education is a good thing an entire book the book of proverbs is devoted to it about education education is a good structure it's a creational good but in our household education has been misdirected right how well it's easy to plop a kid in front of a television and let them learn there and what happens is they learn about the greatest sports. Uh, they learn that the Aggies won. Texas A&M Aggies won, you know, in the, in the last minutes of the game against Ole Miss last night. They learn all about players. They learn about SpongeBob, right? They learn a lot, right? So there's a good structure. It's a, it's a structural good education. But you see what's happened here is in our life it's been misdirected towards entertainment, right? Entertainment has trumped education. What did my wife and I do? We said, all right, we have to redirect. Okay, it's been warped because of sin, laziness, idleness, distraction. We've got to redirect. Not to say that television is bad, but we've got to educate intentionally. So what we do is we limited television and then intentionally brought our children on a scripture learning passage, uh, 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 reg, regimen. Why? We wanted to redirect. Now, what did this mean, practically speaking? It means we had to change our system. Now I have to get up with my eldest son at 6 a.m. so that he and I can do some work things, and then we can read scripture together, and I can talk and, and download it with him, Right? It's redirected. It's going to cost something, but we find the good structure, see how it's mi- been misdirected because of sin, and then redirect it. What does that look like in your work? What are the good structures in your work? How have they been warped by sin? And how might God be calling you to think creatively, intentionally, passionately, to work heartily as unto the lord and redirect that towards the glory of christ who saved you there's some practical outcomes when we allow christ to redeem our lives and redeem our work here's one we become better workers you will become a better worker and i would treat that as a kind of sanctifying process if you're frustrated in your work ask god if he wants to teach you something in the difficulty if not the workplace needs to change oh these bosses need to get out maybe you need to change maybe you need to change or i need to change right so the workplace can be this wonderfully sanctifying place where 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 god doesn't so you have to ask yourself what can god do in and through me consecrate that place to the Lord. Consecrate your life to the Lord and allow God to do his redemptive work in you and through you. Let me close this in prayer. Our Father, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy displayed in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of our Savior and our King, Jesus Christ. We are so mindful that we are hopelessly broken in so many ways but we found hope in our savior god we thank you that you are putting on the new self helping us become better workers more fully human clothed with the spiritual gifts that you have placed in our lives i pray for this church today i pray god that that god you would do your spiritual work in them that they would adorn their lives with grace, kindness, humility, truth-telling, diligence, knowing that in all the work that they do, they do heartily and for the Lord. Our King, we give ourselves and our lives to you. Do with us what you will. We give ourselves as best we know how. In your Son's name that we pray these things. Amen.